So wait, wait. So the mic this this shares us, even though it's at this level. This is something I should have probably asked when I got here three yeah, hours he, he's ago. He's going to talk about this for like ten minutes. This mic thing right now. I um. Well, thank you. He stole my line. I was going to say, please buy things. Oh no, I'm just kidding. Okay, because this is free, and I feel you can't charge people till people know about this. And uh, you know, so and this is my book. It's it's only ten dollars. Um, so please, uh, how much do I have so, to beg so, you? So far, <laughs> the show's just been like begging you guys to buy things. So if you're not, I have stuff for sale. Um, on Craigslist. No, just kidding. <laughs> she, this is Amber, and I, I don't know if you're familiar. Mike, I have people to thank. I'm sort of doing a podcast, but but then it got exhausting because every week I got to bother people to be on it and then bother and begging people, could I be in your podcast to push my podcast, to push this book, to what am I doing? And, and so, like, I only did, like, a, about 12 or 15. And, but what's good is everyone, except for one person, we've had on and we've fallen in love with, right? Yeah, one really person cool was people. bad and then One person was, was crazy. A lot of people were crazy <laughs> but lovable. And, Do you guys uh, listen to it? Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people were saying, Fred, you know, you interrupt too much. You, you're not an interviewer. And I agreed with them. And I stopped doing it. No. So maybe there's a way to do it monthly. And you are weird because you're, like, aggressive and pushy. I was really quiet and nice at first. But then I, I was getting full of rage sometimes. Because she thinks I'm a pussy. And, uh, <laughs> so she would, like, bust my balls and but then but but then go but but just sit there at the podcast and not say anything. So if you're so aggressive, like we're we're gonna have. Um, well, you would be talking to people. He had like older character actors on, and so they would have this huge backstory happening. So I would be quiet. It's and like texting. Yeah, and then I would text because I wasn't caring. And then but. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, no. They just were telling stories, and it was I'm not very boring. Good at, all right, no, all right. it wasn't boring. I just didn't want to interrupt. But then he great, gave me a great bell. Great sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that you was have. The worst sidekick. I, I don't know who you have. I'm my young. Favorite. I'm cool, and uh, so I'm, I'm going to sit here and roll my eyes. <laughs> but so basically, what I want to do is have closure because I did stop because I had a lot of exhaustion. I lost two of my cats um, in one thing. A lot of things with medicine and confusion and. And I want, I'll introduce Dr. Jew and Jaria. She's 25, has no idea who Dr. Drew is. <laughs> so this is exciting because I get to really build him up and maybe educate you, something turn you on. I think you're a, Drew's a bigger celebrity than people like, like Jennifer Lawrence could walk around the Grove and no one would recognize her because they look different. You are like Wayne Knight, you know, Newman. <laughs> like a very big celebrity. So I think I'm excited that I'm going to educate you in something. Yeah. Yes. And you're so nice. I actually, I met you like five years ago um, at a tape. I forget what show, but you oh, I thought you were nice. talking about Drea. No, Dr. Drea. <laughs> I thought, and she's so nice. Oh, you're nice too. Yes. I thought, where did you so meet nice. her? Oh, you met him. Yeah, he was so nice. Like five years ago, we just said hello, but, and I always told everyone. And so basically... He is a great guy, and I, someone in this audience, I won't say who, no, um, brought me clonopin nicely, and 
Adivin, and I'm taking it randomly, and I emailed him, and he goes, I'll call you, and you gave me such great advice. And, and so I want to talk about emotional exhaustion, and I want to thank people. This is my book, I think. And thank you. The last three pages are the acknowledgments, people who have helped me. And Drew, if I knew you when I wrote this, you'd be in it. <laughs> the first 230 people are ones who haven't done shit for me, and I resent. <laughs> That's what the whole book is. So I want, to, I want to thank the people who've helped me with this podcast, but first I want to read the assholes who haven't had me on theirs, who I resent. Todd Glass. No, all right, I'll be diplomatic. He's a great guy. But a lot of people, you're not cool. This is real. Okay, so this is, I wrote this down. Mike Flynn Finn from All Things Comedy is the network. Bill Burr and Al Magical started. Yay! where these two great comedians put up the money for a studio and for these great engineers. Um, and, uh, yeah, so thank you for letting us express you. Again, I'm, I babble. You think I hold court, but I don't. I just get nervous and babble when I do these podcasts. You're a mix. You're, you're, you're a mi- when you know, like, when you're talking about a film or a book, you get very passionate, but then you go on, like, on a, a tangent. And you had to give me a bell. I, towards the end of the podcast, I would get a bell. I'd go like, ding, ding, ding. When I interrupt too much, you yeah. would ring the bell. So I'm not a good listener, so maybe I shouldn't have a podcast. Well, we'll see how this goes. We'll see how this goes. So basically, um, yeah, I think I want to um, – hopefully we'll resume it because there's a few people that actually like this. And uh, But maybe there's a different forte than me. I'm not like – like Adam Carolla interrupts a lot, but he goes on tangents that are – you know, he has – he rants. I don't have any rants except – what, where am I going to eat? I'm nervous. So, okay. So basically... Well, was, you're, you're doing it now. Yeah. Yeah. No. So basically, I think this is... <laughs> this... What I think I want... What, this is our idea. We're going to... We tried another live thing at this open space. Isn't this a cute, cool room? Oh, yeah. yeah we yeah. did one before. We did one yeah. before, and oh. I learned from it because we brought up the guest at once, and one guy took over, and they all got mad at me. Can't you control him? And so we're going to bring up one at a time just for a minute or two in case one of them – no one here is a steamroller. These are great guests. Yeah, um, But we want to just talk a little bit, right? Is, is, this, is this a good yeah, intro? Yeah, I think it's good. Okay. Yeah. So for Jerry or Drea? I, 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 Daria. Okay, this is – let me tell you, educate you about Dr. Drew, okay? Everyone else obviously knows him, right? Yeah. Yay, Dr. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest, and I confess to you. She's explaining now, too, to her boyfriend. You don't know who he is? No, no, I worked on Love Line. Oh. <laughs> oh, the TV show or the... Uh... The TV show. Oh. That actually... Okay, and let's see, I go all the place. I remember Love Line. Kids grew up in Love Line. It was Adam Carolla. It's still... Uh, how many years has it been? Radio? Yeah. 35. Wow. 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 Adam Carolla must have been 15. Was he the he first? With me at the oh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this stuff. So <laughs> I remember I used to listen to Love Line. It's mostly for teens, but, uh, you know, people talking about addiction, sexuality. I'm n- nervous. How do you talk to people? Well, that was me when I called. And, uh, and I remember before the internet, People didn't know what Dr. Drew looked like. Remember those days when you couldn't Google someone for a blind date? 
you, you show up and you, you now you know everything and you don't have blind dates, you know. But I remember, I like listening to Drew, but I had no idea what he looked like. And then Love Line became an MTV show, and uh, with Adam Carolla, and it's it's a seminal show. My friend who's out here, Jimmy Yo Yang from China. He came as an immigrant and learned about sexuality and teenage stuff through. So he really formed a lot of kids. And then Dr. Drew became the go-to guy on CNN whenever a celebrity had an addiction. He's the guy, you know. And then he, oh, now he has three radio shows. Uh, he again, we're going to talk about. Uh, he had a show called Celebrity Rehab, which we want to talk about that um, he got some hate from, from me and people. And uh, he's, again, he's, I'm gushing, well, well, well you'll, you'll get the sense. when he, Dr. Drew Pinsky is our first guest. We'll sit down. Does this seem like an okay format? Okay. I guess you'll sit here. We'll Whatever you want. So each, each mic has two You can sit people. in the middle. Sure. Yeah, okay. take the middle. I don't care. I just have to move some stuff. So, Dr. Drew, when I, when I posted this, I said, free therapy with Dr. Drew. Actually, Sylvia Graves didn't make it. She's a big, uh, some people can't get parking. Some people freaked out. Who's this going to be too intense and heavy? No. No, no. I think so. There may be that. But, uh, but I'll start with light questions. Okay. You never had a beard. I can't bet you with a beard. No, I can't really pull that off. Right okay, uh, but basically, what I was saying is, when when love 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 line um, celebrity rehab. Let me ask something. Sure. How do we meet? I think. <laughs> I'll tell. Let me ask about that. I was like, Whoa. I think doing your show. What happened was, podcasting is new to me. When I had my book and my Kindle single, yeah, I realized, okay, I got to try to promote it because. I thought I was savvy to every kind of bullshit rip-off showbiz people, but then publicist, oh, they took my money with my book, because uh, they said, oh, you should be on uh, Good Morning America, this, and they took like 3,000 bucks, mm-hmm. they go, oh, it's the Boston Marathon bombing, I go, what about local LA, and they go, uh, you know, they're jaded to meeting. What, what you're billing towards is you worked your way down to my podcast. <laughs> That's what you're yeah, billing No, 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 Fuck those publicists for charging me three grand to get a your goddamn podcast. I had to do everything myself. So I learned about a new thing called podcast rejection. Right in the, and I'm reaching out. Podcast rejection? Meaning I can't get on Tommy Bang Bang, the hipster TV stuff. I can't. Crazy. They think, oh, he's not fun. He's not silly. Yes, I know. It's ridiculous. It's this elitist. They've not met Pearl. What? They've not met Pearl. No. That was where we broke. I put something on, um, uh, what's it called? Twitter, saying I'd love to get on Dr. Drew. And your producer, um, Gary Smith, was a fan. Go, I'd love it. So So that's how it happened. So I went on your show, and I was talking about you. So how did you meet him? I just went on this podcast because well, I reached out. <laughs> what, what show were we, did we meet on? Um, isn't it my Aisha Tyler Taylor? Yeah. Her, oh, she's her pilot. Her pilot. Oh my god. You were a guest. Yeah, yeah. Were, and my friend helped produce it, and I was backstage, and we yes. were at the, the it, table. We were KBC is like back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We crazy. were by craft services, and I was like, "Hi, I'm a huge fan. You were so nice." Oh. See, that's how you answer. Well, no, but let me ask you what. <laughs> <laughs> 
I asked nothing in the answer. Then I go, do I have to go back to, okay, okay. Basically, so, so uh, he called my mother. Uh, I called your mother. You called your mother. Well, you said, let's call her. Okay. And, and my mother was very entertaining. She, she still thinks you charged me. She doesn't know what a podcast is. She goes, why would he help you from the goodness of his own heart? He's going to charge you, right? And I'm saying, no, he's not. She still thinks you're charging and me. And she was lovely. We, we talked to her. She's I know. So I know what it means to you. Stop. Wait, have you, she knows that presses my button. I, I want validation. So my mother sweet. messed me up. And she's three, if you see her for three minutes. There's, there's, there's a couple things. If you blame the parents, now we have another set of victims we have to deal with. Right? I'm not blaming, so, I'm just saying, this is my story. This is your story. She, she, and she was very, um, uh, I don't know what word to use, but she was mortified that she might have done something that adversely affected you. She was deeply, see, the thing deeply is, affected by that. The thing is, you helped a lot because you saw what she she My mother told me that when she went to school, it was a nightmare. And then when I went to school, she relived the nightmare of school through me. So she instilled in me growing up as a nightmare. Yep. So she goes, oh, he's going to go to school. They'll hate him. He'll fail. And she keeps flinching. So she's not a bad person, but she's no, fear-based. When I started doing yeah. stand-up on TV, what? she would... When, when I did, you start, I think I said when you saw her doing stand-up. No. <laughs> That's what I mean by that. She would flinch in the other room, covering her eyes. He's going to fail. He's... Depressed, so has she read the book. Has she read the book. She yet? can't read my book because um, uh, there's stuff about her in it. But and, her friends liked it. Uh, yeah. So one one uncle only sent to the last chapter. He's and the cover saying everything else will upset you. <laughs> Don't read it. So I'm not blaming my mother. It's like a black guy writing a book about um, Shoshani Coates. This is my story. I'm not blaming being black. And my mother, so she was fear-based and said, you're going to fail, you're going to get killed in the war. So she was so afraid. So now she's not Let me flush that out of the way. You'll get killed in the war walking to school. Well, no, she was yeah. saying that when I quit college, she goes, you know what they took in Vietnam? Oh. All people that don't go to college, they're going to get killed in a war. Okay. So, so, again, she's not a bad person, so now she knows. So I understand, for why are you such an anxious person? I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, real, she realizes now she messed me up, and the book makes her feel guilty. Yeah. So now people go, she's sweet, and I want to go... No. <laughs> well, you know, you know. Every, I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying this is who I come from. Right. I, yes. That's that's a good way of describing it. I, I think a lot of people want to blame or I don't word to you. again. I'm not doing good with my language tonight, but they they want the pay, parents to pay for their. I'm not like that. I know you're not. I know you're not. And, and, <laughs> and it's, it's not good because they they have their own stuff. It's coming to terms and forgiveness and understanding and that kind of stuff. Well, you know, you know what I did. Like I mourned my parents' deaths way before they died. Well, my mother didn't die yet. No, meaning mourning not having a parent. So right. basically, when I talk to my mother, I'm there, but I'm not there. I'm so detached, like I am with everyone. And so, no, I'm not trying to get back at her. I make up fake girlfriends and gigs so she doesn't feel bad. So she'll, she'll answer the phone, oh, you're alone on a Saturday night? That's so sad. Why'd you get a cat and not a girlfriend? So I, if I wanted to get back, i go, I'm alone. I take naps all day. I want to speak dreamlessly. I'm a middle-aged guy. I don't make my bed. I would get back at her that way, tell her the truth. So I make up this fake life. But so, you talk about this so much. Like, I feel like you're not even close to being over it. I'm over it. See, this is the thing that bothers me. I'm not blaming her. I'm 
I don't talk about that. I have the character actors on the podcast. No, but in general, you talk about your mom a lot. Because it's stressful having to call her once a week. <laughs> <laughs> She's still alive. I, uh... But again, can't you just... This is who I am. That's like but having but your arm ripped off in Iraq and go, and go, you talk about not being able to reach things. Right. No, but Frank, you know? it's, you know, I, I think what's, <laughs> what's perhaps more validating is, is, is that it, it's, what she did is what she did. She I'm was struggling. But I'm listen, but hang on. I'm more messed up because I know Amber. I know me. I know when I see this, so I saw Amber first thing, I thought, that is a me person. But you don't know her. <laughs> but here's the deal. It, the fact that she did what she did isn't okay. It doesn't make it okay right. that you say, hey, she struggled the best she could, she did the best she could. It's still not okay. Right. If it affected you badly as a child. I mean, you, know, you can go back and think, how can we do anything adverse to a kid? It's just so weird that we as humans do that, but we do with great regularity. And it's our shit that comes through, and we're all just trying to get by. What? How do you become more aware of it? Because I feel like we're all just sort of not even knowing our behavioral patterns. Just like how how can you become more aware? I, I wish I had some empty. Aren't they <laughs> self aware? She has crazy fathers, and and she goes, "I'm a cool young chick," and you know? she's so self aware. Amber, you know. Well, I've done a lot of work. I mean, I, yeah. You I mean, know. therapy, therapy, therapy. That's what it boils down to. Because you really can't do it on your own. You can't really read about it. You have to experience it. Here's the, here's the here's the take home message: is you've got to experience it in an interpersonal context. Closeness with other humans is what heals brains. Now, of course, the other brain's got to be a healthy. Well, brain. I'm trying to heal. I now I tell myself I never heard the words "it's going to be okay." My whole life, I heard. I'm not saying it's a joke. You'll come home in a box. You know, if I go to Coney Island, you know, you'll get raped. You know, so no, I learned to tell myself it's okay, Fred. It's okay. Well, so that I that's so I I work with it on my own. I tell then, myself the things I never heard. And then you would found a little pot. Yes. Well, that's what I want to ask you about. First of all, it's funny, going to my doctor, only in L.A., I'm going to my doctor. Dr. Chu suggests I should have a little bit more Lexapro, and, and he goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. He's like, a what? It's so, like, normal. But thank you for helping with the advice. Now, I'm, I will bring up another get- So late in life, I discovered pot because I thought it's just like, hey, dude, hey, teaching son, but, you know... <laughs> It opens your mind, and um, so so. And Duncan, as Fred and me and Duncan Trussell did a podcast together. If you know Duncan, he's a he's a uh, he's psychedelic. He's brilliant. He's a wonderful guy, but he's a psychedelic apologist. He's like really into that stuff. And so Fred and he got into it a bit. Did you take something away from that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, I was saying. Um, when I'm on an edible, it's really working. Why? Why is that not the real world? What's the real world? Why is that? Why is this physical world more real so, than when I'm there? So no, we got to do a profound philosophical discussion about what is real. What's real? What is? Well, real. look, I respect you as a doctor. We actually have an audience here. I don't want to bore them. <laughs> so, no, uh, you're not let's bored. Just get, let's all just get high. Yeah. Well, that's more. Good. Let me let me ask you. Let me ask. Don't relapse for the show. <laughs> so you no, know, it's doctor prescribed. Doctor yeah. Prescribed. yeah. Okay, so basically, yeah. no, I'm trying to get healthier, and I, I think when I, I just, again, I'm not going to get deep, but not just losing two cats. When, um, Are you okay, by the way, for all that? That was tough. Um, I went through a thing where 
I think also my head explodes. I realize when I have a depression, and it's like, I use this analogy, like throwing an elbow out, you know, that it has to heal. I, I, when my anxiety's fried, yeah. short circuit, yeah. I threw out my muscle, and I, I was not in good shape. I was, I was actually better in shape a year I was being sued by this lunatic. The, the yeah, yeah, and a lot of things made my brain short circuit. I think I had to hold it in because for four months my cat was on my bed, mm-hmm. and and people go, "Why don't you put her down?" I go, "When she stops eating." So everyone's asking, and knowing I got to do it soon, and I'm giving her all these needles and blah blah blah. And then another cat I was okay. Anyway, a lot of things. So when I when I realize brain. Talking therapy, I don't think works in right. those things. There's a time, it. right? There's a time which the biology becomes the issue. And I'm, and you said something. I quoted you, and I don't remember what what your explanation was. You think all medicine is not good if it's used a lot? How did you phrase that? I said that we have we we had this weird shift where I was raised by a family practitioner that always told me medication is bad, medication is dangerous. Only take medicine when you absolutely have to. And I, I worked in a psychiatric hospital for decades where medication was used. Like, all I did was, was spend my time as a, as a medical doctor dealing with the consequences of side effects and problems with medication. It was awful. And so I use medication when you really have to, when the risk is what I probably said, sure. when the risk is worth the potential yes. reward, when it's worth it. If, there's not, if, if it's not worth the risk, and consider it always risky, any medication can kill you. The risk has to be worth A medication could save your life. It will then. It's now, let me, it. let me, when I went through a thing a few weeks ago, whatever, and I'm, um, the, the thing I'm proud of, I knew that my brain was lying to me. It's lying saying I'm worthless. It's lying saying, you know, That's all the those things. That's it, it's, and I, so I'm proud that I recognize the lies. Yeah. And so, uh, and I know, again, with the pot, it's all about being now. So what's your take about Depression, pot, that thing. That's no, something. No, and real quick, I feel like you're having a reaction to this. <laughs> what? No, I'm not. No, yeah, I'm not listening. I'm, I, I was just waiting for him to ask a question. <laughs> no, I. <laughs> well, I'm asking you no, what, what do you think I'm thinking? I don't know. I just felt something come across. <laughs> I think he's trying to show off that I. I no, no, I, I just. She, she, <laughs> I just felt some feeling come across. I don't know. I was just thinking, well, I, I sort of went off on my own tangent in my head when we were talking about um, medicine, medicine and, depression. and depression in that voice, that horrible voice, okay. and like how you said how you could right. be. I realized it's life. It felt like, right, it felt like really harsh, really painful. Yeah. I was walking around. And the thing, but the thing that your, your, the, the depressive voice can do to you, mm-hmm. to take you like down mm-hmm. where you, I don't know, I just thought it was cool that Fred said that. He recognized Yeah, that it voice. is very healthy. I realized that, because uh, I know from the pot and from Duncan and stuff, now is all we have now. And I do things like picture myself a 70-year-old depressed character actor in a heat wave. Oh, I don't get work. And, you know, whatever. I put myself in places I don't have to be. Have to be hot. heat wave. So what is your take on pot and depression? Uh... You know, I, I hate. I always get cast as the as, as the anti-party guy, the anti-whatever guy, which I am not at all. I'm not anti much of anything. I'm anti people being in pain and not doing something about it. Uh, 
So Martinga pot is, if people want it to be legal, they should have legal pot. Um, in Colorado, there's been some consequences from that, and I've been participating in some of the treatments and things there. I think when that shakes out, it'll be a, it'll work out pretty well because more people are coming to treatment, more people are acknowledging some of the real realities of excessive exposure to the stuff. Uh, and you know, some people get addicted. Some people have panic attacks. Some people get mood disturbances from it. And some people use it like wine or beer. So let me bring up our next guest, uh, Gino. Oh, great. We have Mario. who will be up in a little bit. Gino, you just call yourself Gino Speedweed, but he runs the biggest L.A. weed delivery service. Gino Speedweed. Let me ask you, how did you become Gino Speedweed? How did you... Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say who he is, but it's incognito. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you become, how did you start this business? Well, we started about five years ago. Um, I moved from the East Coast out here um, because of medicinal marijuana. Um, I had a neurological disorder that, um, that the doctors told me, hey, it would be helpful for you, but living in New York, there was no legal way of me um, being able to uh, connect with it, and uh, I was working in um, the uh, political field uh, in technology, and uh, it wasn't something that I could cross over and, and wanted to do, uh, you know, illegally. So I came out here and uh, searching for uh, medical marijuana, and um, it's not, you don't have to search very far out here. No, you don't search very far. And as a Roger bike <laughs> and as a businessman, quickly realized that there was. Um, room here uh, to be able to uh, change the way things were currently working in California. Um, so uh, we opened up a delivery service and quickly uh, became the largest in LA, which de facto makes us the largest in the nation because this is the largest marijuana market in, in, the, in the country. And uh, I met him when I did, um, I think, uh, the Naughty Show podcast and you were giving out samples. Mm -hmm. And again, I thought pot was like I said, hey, dude, did you put the thing in the garbage? I forgot. And, and, uh, but you're brilliant. And, yeah, and you're not just a, hey, man, I want to sell weed. You're obviously a smart guy. And uh, so basically, you gave out samples. Hey, cookies. And I, and well, I, I don't want, want to characterize that I was just throwing them around. But, okay. I, but when I did, when I, uh, did uh, speak to you about, about it, um, I, I think that um, we weren't sure what the right dosage was for you. Um, and uh, I think it's been a little bit of a journey for you to discover what really has worked for you and what hasn't. And, uh, you know, you asked uh, Dr. Drew about depression and, and marijuana. Yeah, I, think that, I think that really becomes a, a personal uh, experience. And every person does need to figure out what their relationship is with cannabis. Because for some people, it gets ri rid of their panic attacks. Some people bring it on. So, so as, a, as a, a, an adult with, uh, you know, uh, with choice and, and intelligence, you, you really need to decide what uh, works best for you. And that's why a, a doctor, when they, they give you a recommendation for marijuana, that this may help, what, uh, your, your, uh, help you with whatever your problem is. It's still really up to that individual to, to um, kind of feel it out and work with their doctor uh, to make sure that it is giving them the medicinal benefits that they're Let me ask you, Drew, is it over-diagnosed of this 
euphoria, hey, it's medicine, it cures everything. Is there an over-exuberance of this miracle? Yeah, because we don't have the objective data yet. We just don't have what we need. Like we, we as physicians can't really do a lot of prescribing because we have to have what's called you know, fact-based. You have to have evidence-based medicine. But everything, it's yeah. with glaucoma or it's with this, it's with... I just saw, I saw, a, tweet, I saw a tweet today that said it's going to cure all cancer. I was like, oh, I wish. <laughs> well, if the, if the government would deschedule it, we'd be able to do more the right research. More research. Yeah, it's, insane. it's insane that physicians can't do the research. See, well, I, I've said this before. What I like when it works is when I walk around, hey, I'm not in the real world. This is good. When I'm drunk, I'm drunk in the real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm nauseous. So I like that other world. Good. <laughs> but that, that's the important part. So you, you're figuring out what your relationship with uh, cannabis is, and it's having a lot I, of positive I'm, I'm very concerned about this figure out the relationship thing, because... It's like being drunk, too, because if you're drunk, you're like, oh. Right. Well, it's you, altering your. In mind. that same fashion, you would decide how drunk you usually want to want to be. I, I know, but nobody on earth in medicine would ever say, "Let's dial in your drunkenness. Let's figure this out." Mm-hmm. And and there's no medication on earth that we as physicians can go. Well, you figure it out. We we have to know exactly what the probability is of all the different things that are going to happen, and we see adverse things, we adjust. You sure. never doctor yourself. Sure. And this is sort of advocating doctoring yourself, which is concerning. Well, uh, what I what I said was, uh, under your doctor's advice, you still got to work with your doctor and give them the information. You're not usually going to be smoking it with your doctor, so you have to go back and, and, but and Drew, talk to someone. Isn't it like, like say, with antidepressants? Isn't it like you go to a doctor, but you know you feel good or you don't? Like you, you know, report, hey, maybe you I, report back. So or, isn't it similar to pod in that no, way? No, it might be. You know I this field, but but it is recreational. You're saying no, 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 no. You're missing my point. Okay. It is I'm saying if you're going to be under a doctor's management, he or she's got to manage it. And just like with the antidepressant, you're not going to screw out the dose by yourself. You're going to go back and go, I don't feel good. I don't like this. Same thing with pot. You should go back and go, Man, this isn't working right. What you know, maybe different. What I'm trying to or ask is why does a schmuck like me knows nothing? I'm just. It's silly. But why do I give so much more credence to weed than alcohol? Um, I don't know. Why do I think alcohol is like, I I make it medicinal and I make it, it it opens your mind. Well, this is what's, to me, the whole thing is weird. It's just humans and their relationship with chemicals. And that's all we're talking about. Right? What happens when you drink? How do you feel when you're drunk? I just feel, I always think I'm at a party. I feel isolated. I'll have a beer and I'm just kind of... Dizzy, like I spun around, and I just roll around, I don't, and, I, and I have dry mouth. I don't feel, he, he doesn't have, that's a I don't di- feel more social. It's a different just, genetic makeup, right? Yeah, I don't feel more social stuff that you would feel. Yeah, I, you're interesting to me because you have that same negative voice that takes you down, but you're not an addict. I don't think. Maybe you no, could be, no. but like I don't think you are. So. With, lots, with, lots of conditions have negative voices. Addicts do not have that market. Let me ask you. Right. But we, at least we have, we can feel good for a few years before we almost die, and then we have to take care of it. Well, I, right. I, I, a lot of my friends say Maybe that's why the depression with pot, because sometimes they feel so good, like I was walking down the street, imagining everyone high-fiving me. Hey. <laughs> and then you come down. It's You go high, then you go down. That sounds like an ad. Yeah, yeah. I probably do. I, I, I did a thing when, when he I first moved. He wants to be so he can go no. to a meeting. I have had a personality <laughs> for, 
but putsy things like playing video games and pinball where I'm trying to drown out my thoughts. It's not like I'm yeah. a cool Artie Lang guy. I'm more like, you know, like, uh, you know, what, you know, yeah. I'm more like just on the internet or looking at, you know, things, numbing out. I think that's human. I think we're all trying to escape yeah. every single second. I, I, again, let me just say that, well, we all have pain, and, and there's what's called ordinary misery, right? There's ordinary misery, and then there's pathological misery. And all of it can be improved, again, by learning to regulate your emotions. And by learning, I don't mean cognitively learning, I mean experiencing regulation in an intro. Yeah. I'm boring. No, no, no. Experiencing regulation is what's called the interest objective context. It's, we, our brains affect other brains way more than we ever understood. I mean, there's a whole field of psychology and interpersonal neuropsychology is the latest thing, which is we don't look at one skull anymore. We look at multiple skulls and how we affect each other. And you look at AA, what do you do? You get a sponsor. What does that sponsor do? It sits across from you and just listens. Right. And just says, me too. That's it. And then you switch around and you sponsor people and you listen and develop. Yeah. That's building brains. People are cured by talking to each other. Yes. What do you, well, what do you think about people who isolate and are single a lot? Or are single most of the time? Fred experienced that as an attack. I think so. No, me too. <laughs> me too. I, I like to be alone, and I and I'm very. No, now I find everything I do, I need to decompress. I go out, get, get a thing that's the coffee thing. I need to lie under the covers and then regroup. Well, sometimes and, it's good, right? You yeah, I love lying under the covers. <laughs> I um, well, first of all, not boring. I have so many questions that people from Facebook okay. have asked you. I'm going to read people in the audience. I even have a woman here. Well, um, we had a few dates, and, and we want to talk about her situation and, and mine. So, Pete, you're like Jesus. Everyone's coming. Jews here. And, uh, but I want to lighten it up a little to bring up the next guest. Should I be scared what's going to happen afterwards? <laughs> um, now, I want to ask you, celebrity rehab, is that where you got all your hate? Because when um, Emily Morris from Sex with Emily for your birthday wrote, made these cute matchbook stuff, things. Yeah. Stop the hate. Now, the thing, I, I was an asshole because I would watch the show before I knew you go, that's not what real rehab is. I go, how, how do you know what rehab is, Fred? And uh, so, you know, it was just, um, I don't know what rehab is, so I, I, I shouldn't say that. So, uh, but then you really care. You called me, so beyond the great guy, how did you find the guest? Did you just go, okay, Jeff Conway, the late guest, Jeff Conway? No. That's a given. He, he, I, I did How did, how did I, they I find did. them? Something was so random, right. like a rapper's mother. Right. So, Remember? so the, yeah, I, listen, the, the basic thing was, some guys came to me and said, we want to do this. I went, that's really interesting. It will never happen. Then, what, they were kept like pitching it and stuff, and it was kind of moving around. I was like, ah, I sort of let it kind of die. Bob Forrest came in my office one day, and he went, you know, I'm so sick of the press. We took we took a lot of celebrities back then, and a lot of more, way more regular people. But we had a lot of celebrities who were sick as shit and really struggling. And he would he said, you know, every time they come for treatment, the press makes it look like they're on a vacation or that they're making excuses. These people are really sick. We need to show how hard our work is. We need to do a TV show about this. And I was like, whoa, Bob, if you really think we should, and he, he went, gotta do it. And I was like, okay. Well, we started moving forward. We did it. I didn't produce that. I all I did was took the team. I had a hospital team, and it was a great team took the team and delivered it up to a award on a residential unit. Took all of our policies and procedures, but we actually used a lot of theirs, but all of our protocols, did it on their unit, and the 
MTV and the producers and stuff would just call me and go, can you treat the following case? And that's, that was my only input into where they got patients. I could treat it or not. How would they think? Publicist? Hey, any of your clients? I, I don't know how they did I'm it. Just I, don't, curious. I don't know how they did it. Right. I mean, well, there's, you know, there's reality show casting people. World. Right. World. I mean, if you don't know this. Hey, is Mackenzie Phillips okay? No, no. There's a world that they, they go out on the streets and pull people. It's crazy, that reality show world casting. But, they go on the street, hey, you're staggering. No, they no, not, <laughs> not, not They go on the street and they oh. see somebody yelling at somebody. They go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so I don't know how they, they got people. I've never met any of those people before in that first season I can think of. And uh, and they just described the case, and I would say, I can, I can do this or I can't do it. My saddest, or not, or my saddest lost was Rodney King. He looked like a tortured, sweet guy. And he I was, was very sad. Super sweet guy. Yeah. But let's admire him. He died of a heart attack. He did not die of alcoholism or addiction. I thought he was trying to Everybody drive. thinks this. No. He, his wife, he, he was not, his sorority was slipping around a little bit. He was seen at the window, frothing at the mouth, banging at the window, and fell back into the pool and drowned. So girlfriend didn't swim, tried to get him out with a pitchfork, and he and by the time the paramedics got there, he was gone. That's it. That's why he died. He died of a heart, he had a mild heart, he had a, a heart failure, and that's why he was frothing at the mouth. So he was sober when he I don't know if he I wouldn't his sobriety was way better than he used to be. Yeah. But he was slipping around a little bit But he didn't die of anything related to his alcohol. Well, I want to lighten it up. The next guy, I could make a segue. I don't think he has any vices. He's so corny, and I love him. And he would be a funny guy on your show. Murray Langston, please come up here. The unknown comic. You remember the guy's show? Now, wouldn't it be funny? Murray, wouldn't it be funny if you were on Celebrity Rehab as the unknown comic? <laughs> With the bag. With the bag on it. Bag, half a bag, half yeah, bag. Yeah. And you had the, the alcohol in the other bag. Who are bag. you guys? I just was stopped. My daughter and I, we just went, say hi, Mary. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mary. We went to see the uh, Wizard of Oz at a little theater down oh, wow. on Santa Monica. Yeah, it was great. She had a great time. And uh, she would have preferred Sex in the City, but uh, what the heck. Come here, come here. Come here and say hi, everybody. This is Mary. 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 Come out. Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. You are, you are, um, again, I was saying that I met before you got here, almost everyone we had on, we fell in love with Dennis Christopher, Robert Who was Forster. the bad guy? There was one person well, I want to say, she, she, was a, she was nice, but she kept bugging. I want my, when are you going to put it up? Like I put up a thing. She's going to have a suit of this. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> she's not. Nice. No, she's oh, nice. Everybody was nice. Everyone. And Murray, again, I know you came in from Torrance, but now I'm not as glad because you're ready in town. To Hatchapi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's way out there. Yeah, but I mean, I had to come in for other reasons, too, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. but again, I... I He's going through a hard. Uh, now I don't want to go into specifics, but your your nightmare got delayed with. Uh, yeah, I'm going through a little uh, a little custody battle over this little creature here. Yeah, that uh, we've been going through. It's was supposed to have been taken care of last January. It's literally taken this long, and doesn't it won't happen again in the next custody hearing until. Why are you bringing this up? <laughs> no, it is. It's a, it's for this. Well, let me ask you. Um, yeah. No. With, I guess I'm going to answer my own question with distress. How do you alleviate a nightmare? I had a lawsuit. It was a nightmare. 
Like, what, yours is just taking care of her. You know, I just don't, uh, you know, as bad as things can get, I, I'm just a firm believer that you've got to live in the minute. You know, you yeah. can't worry about tomorrow, you can't worry about today, because tomorrow's not guaranteed. So I, I, I went from learning to enjoy each day to enjoying exactly. each minute. And well, if some crap happens, you know, you just let it go and you, and you move on. I think Murray actually solved your problem, Fred. He goes out with a bag over his head, just like he wants to. He's like being on the blankets. But I haven't done that. I, don't, I haven't done that in years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but actually, when I had my lawsuit, it really taught me that, that the things I'm most freaked out about are things I'm imagining in my head. When you have real crisis... I didn't freak out. I said, Fred, if it goes to the next step, my life would have been a disaster. I never would have lost the lawsuit, but I would have had to maybe have done bankruptcy because I, they would have settled and made me pay just to make it go away, and I'd have to go the legal fees of the publisher. But I learned I could only deal with that when it happens. But I'm more messed up when I'm thinking of imaginary things. You know what I'm saying? I, I, my mind loses it more. So when I'm in a crisis... I learned when you're in a crisis, you're almost better equipped than imagine crises, is what I'm saying. Have you always been mellow, or have you ever been? I, I, yeah, no, I think so. Yeah. I, you know, I just I talk about, I've never done drugs or alcohol. I was drunk once in my life when I was in the military, seriously. And, you know, being in a comedy world for years, as I was, you'd think I'd have, you know, been a, but I just never got into it. And I think it is, it's interesting, I have an older daughter who's 26, and she's, this, and she's in the music business, and she doesn't do anything. And she's as straight as can be. And I think what it is, because I've always been curious about why people have addictive problems. And I don't. And, 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 and I think it's, it's just that I like to be in control. I don't know where it came from. And, and I, I've noticed that about my older daughter, too. When you want to be in control, you just don't want to... And, and the other thing is, I really, I love my life. Every, I'd say, my life is going to be fantastic. No, I've had a great life, and I've enjoyed it all. So I, I never saw, uh, uh, I never had a desire to get out of my life, the life I live. Is it as simplistic as that, Drew? That it gets a little complicated. Because, uh, for instance, uh, most addicts that really go love their drugs more than they love anything else. And so if you and you yeah. can right yeah yeah and so when you have that experience of oh my god I love this stuff and and it starts having a priority over everything else that's a different biology you, so I, it is a biology you think oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've treated ten thousand yeah, drug so, addicts so you I've, know I've only seen five where I couldn't see a family history out of 10, so that, yeah like that one time you got drunk would have been the best time, like the best you've ever felt. You, for you, yeah. For me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? That would have been like the yeah. best time of my yeah, life. Yeah, they are tremendously Even if different. I threw up the next morning, I would be like, I'm doing I, Oh, so again. you, you, yeah. Yeah, see, I was actually in the military and a bunch of guys took me out and got me drunk on tequila with salt and lemon. And, you know, I've never been, I never was a drinker. Next thing I knew, I was in a cab, and these guys were talking loud so the cab driver wouldn't hear that I was throwing up in the back. <laughs> and I ended up with my head in the toilet. Uh, so I was 18, 19 years old, and never, my brain would not allow me to ever get that drunk again. And my brain, if I was, in fact, when I first came to Hollywood, I used to fake being drunk, which yeah. I learned how to be a drunk, just so I would feel cool when I was in my 20s, seriously. I just never, ever was able, my brain would just automatically stop if I thought I was going to go over that tipsy, and I, you know, get tipsy, and I would just, mm -hmm. uh, oh, we lost, okay. I should have introduced for the young, does everyone know the gong show and the unknown comic? I should be a better host. Oh, oh you got it. There was a show.
show called The Gong Show, back when there was, you could be a star from a TV show, but now there's Google everything. And he had the funniest thing where he put a bag over his head, and the unknown comic, because he was known from some other shows, so you went on just to get the... Uh, well, yeah, well, I was on, you know, I was on the Sunny and Cher show, I was a regular on that show back in those days. You had to be 90 to remember all this stuff. I remember it that I did, and I, was on, I did a bunch of series with Wolfman Jack, with Bobby Vinton, with the Hudson Brothers. I was a regular on a lot of shows back then. So anyway, then I bought a nightclub in North Hollywood uh, called Showbiz, where I specialized in bankruptcy and, <laughs> and became very successful and lost everything that I had made up to that point. And, and that's when this gong show was on the air, and uh, Chuck Barris was the host. And and uh, and uh, they, uh, uh, but but I've been on all these TV shows, and I found if you're in the union, which I was because of, of all those shows I did, you got paid a couple hundred dollars. So I just wanted to get that couple hundred dollars because I was broke. And I, and I went on, and I insulted the host. I still remember the first joke. You put a bag on your head so they wouldn't... Oh, yeah, I put a bag on my head because I didn't want any of my friends to see me on this gong show. So, I, so that was the, how it got started. So I went on the show, and I went on, and Chuck Ferris, uh, he came over, and I said, Hey, Chuck, are you and your wife ever make love in a shower? And he said, No. I said, Well, you should. She loves it. <laughs> <laughs> And in the 70s, you know, prime time television that was like, yeah, yeah. whoa. Because <laughs> that got a big laugh, and Chuck said, did that come back and insult me again? And I, and I ended up doing a couple of hundred, and the next thing I knew, I had a job with a bag over my head. It's amazing how that stuff So happened. there was like, what, five regulars on the show? Well, the, the, the people on the panel were like, Jimmy no, Farr. No, 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 the performers. Like, oh, Gene, 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 right, yeah. You, uh, me, and uh, uh, two others, or maybe. Uh, I don't really Gene, remember. Gene, Gene. The dancing machine. Was, yeah, was, he just passed. Oh, oh like, no. diabetes. Yeah, no bad. He lost yeah. his legs, yeah. too. But well, J.P. Right. Morgan, yeah. Well, she was the panel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, you, again, I just loved the silliness, and you would, you'd be like, Chucky, baby, Chucky. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was a crazy character. People would have definitely thought I was on drugs during that period. Well, I think a lot of people were on that whole setup. You know, people used to think Chuck Paris was, and I always heard that Chuck had to be looked, because he always had his hat over his eyes, and uh, but then I asked Gene, who was you know Gene uh, was uh, years later because he was a grip on the show, and he said no, no, Chuck was completely against anybody found doing drugs was kicked off. Gene the, the show. dancing machine. Gene was the dancing grip. machine. Oh, so no, that whole rumor was not even true That's about fantastic. him uh, doing heavy drugs. I yeah. um, I th- so basically I want to bring up the next guest because I want to get to a lot of grip problems in the audience. Yeah, one more. Oh, could be. I can go down. No, no, we, we could. Oh, no, yeah, we, no, no. There's one share there. Um, Is there room? Yeah. Basically. Okay. You guys have to switch over. Just a little okay. bit. Okay. You don't do this anymore. Okay. I never liked you anyway. Never liked you anyway. Watch the pimple. <laughs> Did you know who the dog show was? Okay. Yeah. Your parents what? So, guys, I want to read this. Um, I want to read this uh, Facebook message I got to introduce the next guest, okay? Um, this was after my book came out. Ola, listening to your audiobook and loving it. By the way, I didn't get to do my own audiobook for my Seinfeld year. Someone else beat me to that gig. Yeah, it's true. Um, not in a sadistic way, LOL. I got so sick of auditioning for the year and a half I was going out, I eventually got into softcore porn, not kidding, as a way to have fun acting and being on set, but as a way to skip the hell of auditions. I literally would rather have fake sex on camera than endure four to five times a week having to give up a whole day for zero pay. 
your hardcore man, smile, Brandon Rackley. So then I did my research, and this is a real softcore porn star. Um, you know, and I had to do, I researched for like three hours. I got the movies, and, uh, and then I coincidentally met her at a charity event for cats. Cats is the best thing in the world. And um, she's a sweetheart. And I said, can you be on this? She goes, we could talk about anything. So every podcast has, you know, hey, I'm a porn star. Hey, what is softcore? What is simulated sex? So let's bring up Brandon Rackey. No, it's, it's, Robbie has to leave. It's Charlie. Um, no, I, 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 did, I did King Kong place ping pong with his ding dong in Hong Kong. <laughs> so, so how did how does one get into that world as opposed to porn? Like you go, hey, I don't want to have, really have sex, but I'll be nude. Like, I, I started off. Um, I had an agent that sent me out on mainstream stuff, and I'd done some little things here and there, like you have to do when you first get started. Um, and my agent just knew that I was a free spirit, and so he sent me out for this Playboy TV show um, called Sex, uh, 69 Sexy Things to Do Before You Die. And um, uh, it, it was a travel show. They were going to pay me to travel, uh, you know, And but uh, I had this, to... Uh, who's this uh, agent? <laughs> <laughs> He's a really well-known agent that's very hated by a lot of people. <laughs> Um, so you, so he said, hey, you've been auditioning for NCIS. Yes, everyone. Like I literally you know. auditioned for every uh, show on the planet. Um, but um, it was it was horrible because I would always get called back, and then they would never bug me. Um, so yeah, like you awful. said in the letter, you're you're, uh, you're giving up a whole day schlepping around, not getting paid. Yes, I mean I would book stuff. I mean I did book things. I was like a series regular on Scare Tactics, little shitty shows like that, like. But you're first getting started, and they just basically waste your time for, like, four years as yeah. an actress. It's horrible. So he was like, do you want to do this Playboy show? You're going to travel. You're going to make money. It's going to be fun. But you have to have sex on camera, but it'll be fake. Um, and so, I don't know, I met with the producers, and I just thought, you know what? I've been on set before where they told me you're going to be topless, but you're going to have all these funny lines. I've done the audition. The lines are actually very funny. Then you get on set, and you realize... They actually just want your titties to be out, and you say, like, one word. Right. And I've been on that set before and said, fuck you. I'm not doing that. Right. I thought I had this real part that was funny. I don't mind showing my boobs. I like my boobs, but I'm not going to do it and say, like, what's that, motherfuckers, or whatever, you know? I'm not going to do that. And, uh, so I'm like, I'm strong. I can, you know, I'll, right, right. I can I can be on this thing, and if, I, if I'm uncomfortable with something, I just won't do it. Um, but what happens is that you... You know, you do your first sex simulated sex scene, and then it's like, oh, it's so scary, and it's like titillating and exciting, and there's people who are like filming you, and while you're pretending to come, you know, and it's very otherworldly and surreal. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> she's gonna lose her touch <laughs> 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 Like my day four, you know, you're in another country, or another state, or in the city, whatever you're on this travel show. By like day four of doing on your sixth scene, it, it, like anything else, it can you can it, you become desensitized to now, it. it let me ask fun. you a really stupid question. 
Now, if a guy's doing oral sex, does he like put his tongue near it? Like, what? does he like by well, accident? You're supposed it? to have a patch. Okay. Like for a softcore you're supposed to have a patch, but it always falls out. So anyone who says, "Well, there's a patch the whole time," they're just lying. Because so he has to like pretend he's going down on you, but but his mouth probably touches it by accident. It's not. <laughs> I, I mean... Actually, I dated a woman who put a patch down there. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> just in case, let's just simulate all sex. I mean, there were... I've had some... I've, Did guys ever, you know, by accident slip in? Not not with me. Not with me. Not with happens. me. Um, I, it absolutely happens. Wow. I mean... Um, 99% of the time, everyone I worked with was very, very professional, but I have been on the set where something hey. was not professional or something, some bad stuff happened. I'm just, yes, I'm with, actually with a very famous producer. Does that get to be issues of uh, rape and whatnot? I mean. um, yeah, I was, I was actually, uh, it was at the end of, of shooting uh, The Devil Wears Nada. And, um, <laughs> really good movie. <laughs> um, Anyways, uh, yeah, we're. Uh, were you the Meryl Streep? Were you the Meryl Streep? I played the, uh, the like bumbling assistant. Yeah, Christine Wynn, who's a very big softcore porn star, and I have a. Oh, she's a, the best. She is the bomb. <laughs> I love her. Uh, she's really, actually, a really famous softcore porn star, and she, she and I have like a chocolate bath, you know, scene where we like chocolate off of each other for like ten minutes straight. Uh-huh. It's, yeah, people are like, it's the best softcore porn scene that's ever been made. Did like, we softcore porn awards? Uh, um, I don't know. Okay. Would you ever? Would you ever go to hardcore? No. Yeah. No. It just, um, it just didn't. Never sounded like fun. I, I've worked with some hardcore porn stars. Like I've worked with Evan Stone, who's very famous and has you know won tons of AVN awards. I've been to AVN. I've hosted like, but I just I don't know. So what's the good. bad thing that happened on that set? Um, it was the end of the day, and uh, I was sitting there with uh, it's like oh the guy everyone here knows him. <laughs> um, the producer, uh, the money man, I should say. What he was name was never anywhere on the film. Um, uh, we were at his house because we used his big, beautiful Girls home. Wild no, oh. no. Um, uh, we were there, and, and and they were watching like the dailies. They were watching all the stuff, and I I was hanging out with them afterwards. It was just me and just a couple guys and him, and we we're just chilling and having a nice hang. And they were watching some of the stuff back, and they were laughing because this girl had, it was her first time to ever be naked on camera, first time to ever have simulated sex. She was very sweet. Um, she was like fresh off the boat from Ohio, and uh, they were watching um, some of the playbacks and stuff. And they're like, "Oh, ha ha! She got raped." Basically, her patch had come off, and the guy, whenever a professional softcore guy is working with you, it's professional for him to take his hand and put it there so that you're, you know, so the take isn't ruined, you know, to, to put it, to cup it as if mm-hmm. his hand is a patch. Um, but in the, you know, the motion of it, his thumb kind of went in to her, you know, vaginal opening. And she went like that, and you could see it on camera. And they were playing that over and over again, and laughing about it, and uh, saying, "Oh, she was her first rape on camera." And I, I was, I can't even begin to tell you. I was just like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "Fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you." If you ever see me in the street, you were dead. Mother. Did you say that? Did you oh say God, yes. I immediately I called my husband. I was like, come pick me up. We wrapped two hours ago. I'm out of here. And um, I never worked with them ever again. Yeah. But that's the that's probably the worst thing I ever saw happen on set. And I never... I should have probably contacted the fucking authorities over that. 
But um, uh, but usually everyone is super super professional. A lot of those porn stars that you see are their moms. They run a business. They run a website. Um, they dining at podcasts. They kick ass. <laughs> they're, really, they're really they're really nice people usually, and, and very very few of them are addicts. But I, I know that's a really a big thing. Like they're all addicts. Um, I think the ones that are kind of fly by night that last three months are usually really addicted to drugs. So the ones that last for years and years and years are pretty together. Now I was going to say, you're a sweetheart. I know you're an animal lover. Yeah. But a lot of strippers have cats. A lot of, <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? A lot of messed up people don't love animals, including me. Uh, all right, let me... Thank you so much. No, but you're great. Your, your big causes on Facebook are animals... And fuck the water shortage, sorry. Yeah. Because you, you, you resent saving water, you like no, showers? No, 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 I'm vegan, so I'm like, I'll take all the showers I want, because one eating one pound of beef is the equivalent of taking six months of showers. So I'm like, I'll take all the showers I want, I don't eat meat, I'm vegan. Well, you're, you're nice, she's really cool. <laughs> so this is our panel to help with some of the problems <laughs> we have in the audience, and I'll, I'll, I'll read a few questions, okay? <clears throat> Okay. And these are from people in the audience? No, this is a Facebook, but then I got one in the audience. Okay, one from Facebook. And I'm not reading the name because this is very revealing. They sent private messages. My son is a recovering alcoholic heroin addict, 19 years old, a year clean and sober. The very second I find out I had him in rehab and halfway houses, he tells me all the time he doesn't need to go to AANA meetings and he refuses to go, and I'm used to this. I never even smoked pot in my life, but from what I read, AANA meetings are the glue to keeping yourself in recovery. I'd like to know his input because I'm having a hard time figuring this all out. Thank you. I, I, I talk to people like that in that condition, that situation, very, very commonly. Unfortunately, that kid is not sober. Uh, he is, at best, he's on a replacement therapy, which may be sort of keeping him together for the moment, but he's definitely not sober. Uh, you can't stay sober without being out of 19 heroin alcohol, that's for sure. So he's uh, not being honest to her. Uh, she, maybe, or maybe she doesn't understand the, the spectrum of how this works. But uh, he, she needs to go to a program called Al-Anon. She's going to sponsor and she needs to go every day. She should not interact with her son ever without talking to her sponsor. No decision without talking to her sponsor. Because the disease, disease of addiction, the, do you ever guys ever see The Little Shop of Horrors? Sure, there's been okay. a few of them, Nicholson. Right. The well, the, 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 the plant, the Audrey 2, is a perfect model for addiction and alcoholism. Perfect. Because if you go near the plant by yourself, you're in the plant. No matter what, the plant sucks you in. It's, addiction takes advantage of, of everything in its, in its grip. So, you know, because it's your brain, it also affects other brains nearby. And I never see, I try never to see patients alone. I was a nurse or somebody with me. Because if you don't have that Ariadne's cord, if you don't have the golden thread there, you'll go into the plant. And uh, the same is true as a So, what should I do? Every, every, every decision. Every, no, every decision she'll make will be wrong. Every one. The, the decisions that need to be, the, 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 the input that needs to be uh, undertaken is uh, contrary to her instincts. Uh, and she will have a fantasy that the child will die if she does these things she needs to do. So she won't be able to do it alone. She has to have somebody there with her who's been through this to help her through it. And if she can't do that, then she needs to get a therapist. And then, the, so where is the doctor to take care of this kid is my other question. So, right, so it's more that she has to do the work. 
Uh, well, I I'll, I don't know. He's not asking the question. Yeah. She's asking the question, right. and she needs to do her work. Okay, but I got a question. Uh, Percentage-wise, would you say there's more addicts today than there were 30 or 40 years ago? There's and more, why? And why? Be, well, the, we the two things. Uh, childhood adverse childhood experiences have been a dramatic increase. Childhood trauma, sexual abuse, physical abuse, neglect, broken family, a lot of trauma in childhood. And so th that is what results in emotional dysregulation. And so kids that are fearful with the interpersonal world is dangerous and painful. They turn to something else to try to regulate. Well, drugs and alcohol work beautifully. And now we have you know, armies of doctors that are handing out ridiculous medications that are profoundly addictive. And you know, my patients today, when they die, they die of a pill overdose, almost without exception. Almost without exception. Think about that. At the hands of my peers, it makes me amazing pain. It's sick, makes me sick. I, I've read something, um, and I, I, I'm really interested in this topic, um, that um, because we've ha we have such an inequality of wealth, that the more unequal society becomes, um, that people get more and more frustrated. So whenever you have everyone sort of on an even plane with some people doing a little better, people can deal with it. But whenever you see people spiking in our, like, we have so many billionaires and so much, like, insane wealth, and we're able to actually see it because of social media... But it actually causes a tremendous amount of like general depression among people in general. Well, it, it creates a, a, the, the happiness research, which is different than depression. But I, but you know what I'm but, saying, yeah, though, right? And it happiness. does actually cause people to be like, oh, it can never be that, you right. know? No, but with Facebook, it's in your face, and it's so much comparison. It's an, yeah. I've got to, it's like Russian roulette. Fred, keep, stop keeping scrolling. You're going to see something that upsets you. Stop, Fred. Oh, there it is. That guy got that deal. Or that guy. I think that's what this. causes the childhood you know, unhappiness, like you were saying, like there's more incidents of... Well, like, there's yeah. trauma, but then there's this issue of how, how, do, how are humans rendered happy. And... Um, there's a there's a threshold income of seventy five thousand. If you earn any more above right. that, it doesn't really significantly add to your happiness. But, but people it, below that perceive. That no, it no, does. no. Even above that, if you're making above that, when you're around somebody who makes more, you're unhappy. Right. So right. so humans are just that way. You have, we to have to really to, work on that. You have to work. You have to work. How do you think yeah. social media is going to affect? Uh, the young kids today, like um, teenagers right now, because it's a completely... I don't, I don't know. Well, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in that population right now. We're seeing lots of strange things. Well, yeah, my well, friend John, he's got twins, five-year-olds, they're always, like, looking at their, you know, yeah. phones, yeah. and they grew up with phones. We don't know. Or how about, like... Or parents at the park where their kids are playing in their... Um, what? No, he's got great kids. I just wanted to say a lot. We, we don't know. We don't know. We, we, really? we don't know. But, but, but pornography has had an impact, which is interesting. A huge impact on teenage relationships. Absolutely. Huge. In ways that you may not have thought of that we hear about on radio all the time, which is that the young males, the, you know, the porn is so arousing and so intense that they're like not really interested in real relationships. The eye of the tiger is long gone. Or this and, illusion that there's a plentiful amount of well, sex, even with the uh, dating sites like Tinder like, and all that. Like, yeah. like, hey, it's like shopping at a key. What's on that shelf? Like, well, it certainly it takes the human element out of it for sure. But but here's what happens: so we see these teens; they're, they're not getting in relationships. They're just like, they're born on fine. Exactly. Right. And then they get into a relationship around 20 to 22, and that woman doesn't do what they see. There's there is that, but there's the bigger problem. This is what's crazy is that they can't do the normal coming and going of dating. They get hooked on one girl and like, that's the one. And she's like, mm, not so much. And he's like, what? what? I've decided you're the one. I can't. Yeah. They can, and they cannot deal with it. They cannot deal with it. And they, they turn to stalking them. They, they, they decide, oh, I'm going to be your friend. 
So they call me a year later and they go, look, I've been her friend for 18 months now. She she said no. So I made, I'm now her friend. 18 months and now it's time. 18 months is long enough. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Let's go here. That is so weird. I mean, it's like... Uh, also, I think it's very easy to become obsessed with someone who you can, you know... Follow, watch, watch every yeah. little aspect yeah. of their life. Yep. I mean, it's pretty obvious that you can... I literally... Sometimes I'm like 3 in the morning, I'm like... Please, someone, take my phone away from oh, you. Yeah. It's got, yeah, please, it's God. Yeah, it is harder to get over something. Like, I'm, I feel like it's so much easier for me to obsess about certain things just because I have easy access to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's no such thing as a blind day, yeah. Speaking of the human element, we have someone who let me talk about this her situation in mind. I thought I was going to call Dr. Drew or email and go, I got a podcast. Fred stole the phone me as a girlfriend. Because I that's met... The new podcast. Yes. That's my new reality show. Yeah. Like uh, the, the Bachelor. But um, I met this woman, very attractive, funny, and, and you know, we were at a cat event, and, you know, and, uh, and she, I go, oh, I'm socially retarded, I don't mean, again, I don't mean that, you know, it's just the word I grew up. Me too, this is great, you know, hey, we had a few flirting dates. She claims they weren't dates, but I spent $380 on the event. Because they weren't dates. So then it turns out that, of course, there's always the rub, the rub. What's the word? We, we, the rub. We, we the go rub. out to eat, she goes, yeah, I got this boyfriend, he's a skateboarding champion, but we broke up, and I go, oh, all right, here that comes. And I can't text her, because she goes, I'm laughing too much, he's jealous, so, but we're breaking up, hang in there. So, so then, she has a boyfriend, but she's on a date with you. Well, they're, they're, they're breaking up, but they still live together oh. until they move out. Okay. Then she moves out to a friend's house, and I go, he's still there. So then, um, so I'm not making this about me, but... <laughs> but <laughs> With girls like that, if you literally just go boom and ignore them and have they have no way of getting in contact Let's with you, ask her. They okay. will literally listen. <laughs> but, but, but this is what happened. I have a feeling she's here. Yeah, she I've is. Seen it. So this is what happened. Oh, no, this sorry. is no problem. I'm done. But this oh, no she, she's here. She's going to sit right she's here. Oh, she's here. Okay. <laughs> okay. So basically, his name, he says, he wants to and when I went through my depression, she goes, yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's upset because he's a 38 skateboard champ and he's not getting work. I go, I'm a middle-aged guy, I'm not getting work. So you got the same of this. Okay, so, so then... She's so, looking at Tony Hawk. So, yeah, so then, so then she goes, yeah, he sleeps on my floor and then when I get, go to work, then he gets in the bed. It's like a dog, ooh. But I think this is All right, anyway... She can't get rid of him because he has a Colombian visa. All right, Paula. You, yes. Paula. 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 So, I think this isn't my issue if I like you a lot. You're very charming. But, <laughs> but you got this guy, you feel guilty because you, you have to deport him? What the hell is going on? All of a sudden, I feel like you're really him. getting back at me or something. This is good. <laughs> well, you do things like you go, let's meet at, as we're friends. Let's go to a restaurant. And then you go, and then you go, but this is true bus stuff. (laughs) And then then you go, hey, pick pick up my check, and I have wines. All right, let's talk about you. All right, what's going on? Is he still on the floor? Um, he is. Uh, yes, he is. Um, and it's, it was very unfortunate our timing that we met because I was in the middle of a breakup, and I knew I wasn't ready yet to date anyone but we just you made me laugh so much and you know cats and laughing and you know like it went a long way a nice and wine and yeah, yeah. 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 by the way restaurants okay okay <laughs> um 
So, yeah, so, uh, but I was very upfront with you. I didn't want to, you know, do some hustle. I think that I really wasn't ready to date. But it's still, this but, I knew, com- but I knew, I knew when you said I'm moving to my friend's house, he's going to follow you there. And, and like you. I didn't even know that. Okay, so, that's... <laughs> Um, yeah. Is he really on the floor? Or he's in bed with you? He's on the floor. Okay. He's on the floor, or on the couch, or... When you go to work, he jumps on the bed. So you guys never have sex, then? No. Yeah, when's the last time we had sex? Oh, so you're not in love with him? God, no, curiosity. we're definitely not in love. Uh, oh, we were in love for, you know, we tried it for like a year. Yeah. Um... I mean, I just, I can't even believe I'm in this situation and I'm talking about it. <laughs> just like, who am I? It sounds so ridiculous. He guilts you, he yeah. you into coming back into your friend's house and bringing his dog and all the, that the, Yeah, And the then dog. We, had, we went to that restaurant. Like you, you did, but they're not having sometimes. sex. I yeah, really can't say now. Yeah, they, that restaurant... He shows up there, and I go, are you I, guys, are you con artists, you grifters? <laughs> that was really freaky, and he yeah. swears that was a coincidence. It is my favorite place to go on Tuesdays because it's a special. It's a really good deal. And, um... <laughs> so, so why can't you get rid of him? Because you said he, you have to deport him, or what's... Well, yeah, he's overstayed his visa now. And so, um... And I really don't know... As I'm, as I'm hearing myself speak, I don't know what that has to do with me. But he has right. nowhere to go. No way to make any money anymore. And so he basically has shown up at my door, you know, crying with his dog. And after I'm like, it's, it's done, it's over, I, I need to get on. Uh, he's a lot younger than me. Um, and, uh, uh, so yeah, you, I just, your, I cave what? every time. And you know what's funny is we were talking about the, the drug addiction uh, with the woman that, uh, and, and her son. And it, that's myself. Like, I do feel like I probably need to go to Al-Anon. I feel... I just, I have so much guilt with breaking up with him. So much guilt. Well, obviously you split, you moved out of your place. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's become almost a sickness. And I have a history of drug addiction. And I, I, know, I know this You know what you said well. to me that's funny? And I, I have a good sense of humor. She goes, I thought of you because I was very depressed yesterday. Because <laughs> yeah. I like you because I'm depressed. Well, it's how you just would own your depression. I kind of like was like, wait, I should just own this and I kind of enjoy it today and give myself the best time, you know? Um, and that reminds me of you. I was like, that's what Fred would do. And it, it did, like some, I worked through it, you know. What you should you do, Dr. Taylor? I'm sure. What's your pathology? Well, I'm worried about your recovery. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you were in it, the people around you wouldn't let you do this. Yeah. Right. I don't have that same support system. Right. You're right. And, so, and I am still friends with a lot of these people, but we, it's a different dynamic now. I understand, but I'm just, I'm just, so that, so the first thing that occurred to me was like, ooh, that, that would never go, that would never happen if you had the right. Mm, You're right. right. Yeah, it's and a good so, point. So it's like, well, okay, so something says so a problem. But the, 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 the lingo is, there's a problem in the spirit, right? Right. That's the lingo. Yeah. And, and you're filling it with this dude. Who is manipulating the shit out of you? Thank you. Uh, yes, I'm mean, gonna need to hear that. I know. I know this. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah. And so there's some contact you need to make with somebody or some group or some therapist. Yeah. You need. You need an well, outside. He's been in LA. You need somebody in your corner. Mm-hmm. He's been in LA ten years. He has other places he could go to. He has yeah. other friends. But he's manipulating. He's got. He's got all the buttons lined up. What is he getting out of it if he's not having sex with her? Which maybe he is. Place to stay. But he can stay with other people. But, yeah, that's I like, what... I love that he's using the dog. You know, he's using the dog. That actually goes, that actually goes a long yeah, way. I know, I dog, I'm like, I can't have that dog on the street. Right. You know, yeah, like that. It. And he's, he doesn't give a shit about the street. Yeah. <laughs> but he gets him a long way with you, so... Ooh. I don't know. 
It's rough. It's hard. People, it's, it's messy. It, you know, it's really messy, and I've always prided myself in having healthy relationships. And if anything, you know, I was the problem in every, every relationship. Right. And, and, and I, you know. Well, tell a bit what you said that you've always had rich lawyer older guys, and you said, I want to be like my mother. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm at a place now where I'm like, you know what? I finally want to settle down. I've been, I've been, I've been engaged three times and just was never ready. Great, great man, too. Obviously, I was engaged to them. Um, I thought you said they were mean lawyer guys. <laughs> well, lawyers are, you know, yeah. that's always, always a problem. problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As lawyers go, he's a pretty good guy. Well, I don't mean to mock. I really respect that you were talking about this. I'm sorry for being a little silly, don't shtick. But this is, again... No, this no I, you know, for one, I'm honored that you even text me back. I thought, it, it was, it's been like how to lose a guy in 10 days. Or, you know, right? Like, it's, I'm doing everything wrong. And, like, we finally go out to dinner, and then he's there. And uh, it's, it's and just like... I'm freaking out it, going, is he following me? Because I live by that block. And, oh. and I go, this guy's a stalker. And then I came over, and I was demanding... that It was like the day you put your cap down... I, for some reason, was like, we got to get rid of the cat box. we got to clear this place out. And I just started moving this stuff out. And, I, and then later I was like, oh, my God, he's probably like, you were, probably weren't ready, you know. But I just never thought you were going to be able to do it. Well, you didn't have you a You took nurse. care of everyone. <laughs> no, you didn't have That's a nurturing cute. mother. You said. I don't. We have similar mothers, yes. Very Which critical. Which you're exaggerating. <laughs> no, your mother's not nurturing, you said. No. No. But, you know, you know I'm probably trying to make up for it, you know. It, when you say yeah. it, it sounds funny. I had these three great guys I was engaged to. I'm ready to settle out. I need to shoot. Oh, but okay. So what I decided to do was like contrary action. I was like, I'm not going to go out with what I think. Okay, I'm uh, just going to see. And it happened to be like the most random. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and um and he was a lot younger than me. I've never even considered that. And um so I was open to it. And I just I just wasn't being responsible. And then yeah. you sent me all these angry texts to him. Oh, my, that's accident. the other thing. Oh, yeah. liar. <laughs> oh, that is just the most horrifying thing that could happen. It's very validating for me, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. you, you think I'm Marco. Hush, because, oh, my God. Yeah, and that... Goes, like I said, I just can't even believe you even text me back after that. Like, that well, was like this can't be a me. I know I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I respect that you. So, what would your advice be? Go to Alan on. She knows. Yeah, I, I do she know. Knows. Thank you. And yeah, I just really I need to hear it from the pro here. No, no you I don't. Think. No, you need to. Hear, no, 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 no. You needed to hear yourself say that. I think so. And in front of an audience. Yeah, my God, everybody. Um, I'd like to ask one thing, though, is that no one's brought up, and I'm, I'm surprised. It's how do we know that's unknown comic? How would we know? I, right. Right? I it's been... Tell the bag. I would recognize it. Yeah. No, actually, he... He uh, he took it off when he would do like evening at the improv, and he started trying to get more work. And he would, you know, no. I, I, he was like the kiss of comedy, basically, right? Kiss. That's how they never, comedy, you know. Yeah. And then if you could get a shot of him without it, like it'd be in the Inquirer or yeah. something. Now he's cool. Any he, he, people would appreciate how I mean, that show was a big. Deal. It really was. I, I remember that yeah. show. I love that. I mean, my podcast, Mike. I tried having quirky yeah. people like that, and I, the same kind of, hey, testosterone comedians or hipster comedians. So I loved what I did. I want to try to keep doing it in a way. I love uh, just, uh, yeah, I had like character actors. So before um, uh, we wrap up, any questions from the audience? You have these experts. Anything? Jan, you have laryngitis? You mean Jim? Okay, basically, I want to, Jan is in a situation very similar to mine. She did a joke on Letterman. 
and her parents didn't talk to her. Oh. She was ostracized oh. in the family. And then they finally resolved it. Then she went on my podcast and talked about it. And now she's ostracized from her family. Sister. But you have laryngitis, so. The sister. Sister-in-law. Be the joke. Do you want to read the joke, nice. someone? Here, why don't you sit yeah, here? Sit here. Sit here. Oh, no, I think you, you can. I think I'm done here. <laughs> Thank you, Adam Paul. Hey, I have a question for Paul. What does he do? Prescribe pot as a physician. What do you need? So um, you can, you need a recommendation from your doctor. No, no, no. So but you, how do I get certified to do it? Uh, to become a, a yeah. doctor? Well, I, I could. Uh, it's not that easy, is it? It is not that easy. Because yeah. um, I occasionally have patients that actually really do, would benefit from that, and I'm like, oh, I go to a dispensary, I guess. Well, here's what you do. Um, or do I write a letter to the dispensary? You, well, as a doctor, you can rec- recommend it uh, right yeah. now. But um, but if people are interested in getting their recommendation, you can yeah. go right to our website at speedweed.com and do a Skype session with the doctor okay. and talk about what your, your ailment is okay. and, and get, I, get yeah. it. Okay, so I get the Speedweed.com? Speedweed. Yeah. Just uh, asking. And they're, they're nice because, uh, yeah, you know, hey, I, I need to sleep, my arm hurts, and you get very, very specific. I'll let okay. read the joke. Okay. Okay. <laughs> is this is a joke? Yeah. This is a joke that got her in trouble. I have a sister-in-law. She wasn't my sister-in-law last year. She was a 22-year-old booty call that my narcissistic 40-year-old brother haphazardly fertilized in the back of a sex utility vehicle. She had the baby... He marries her cause of the baby. My mom says to me, Jen, when are you going to settle down? <laughs> <laughs> Good joke. So she did that on Letterman. Did it's really the labs of the well, uh, It's all good. The only thing is, were those the actual ages of the people involved? At the time, approximately. Oh. <laughs> but here's the thing, is I've been doing stand-up forever. And I, about my family. And they laugh at everything. This one got through. The sister-in-law. No, it's because the, the sister-in-law got mad. Didn't like it. I, I know her story. And and now yeah. because the sister-in-law didn't like it, her my parents, parents didn't like it. And so they were kind of couldn't see. You couldn't see that your kid. Their, the their kids, nephews and nieces. I was out of the family. And, like, and my mom says, "What are we supposed to do? Karen's mad." Did you try to apologize? A million times. And then they were okay with it. Then we talked about my podcast. And now. nothing I do is out of evil or spite. My parents, like, my sense of humor came from the family. So that's what's... They Weird. just sided with her. Yeah, well, they kind of... I keep telling her, I know her story, that you, you she, keeps tr- she keeps trying to get approval from her parents because mixed messages screw up a kid more. And they're, they're very yeah. nurturing. And then they chide her. So I yeah. said, you, you set yourself up for disappointment. Constantly. Well, no, but I just get battered all the time. And I end up having to apologize. And even when I apologize, there's... I mean, I've done so much. When I was allowed back into the family, I took gifts to the This kids. was in response to this thing. This is oh three. So you've been back in since then. Yeah, my brother finally called and said, what was I supposed to do? It was my wife or my did sister. She, she calmed me down? She did. Sister. She said I changed. Then we talked about it. Friends broadcast. Did she freak out again? Did she got mad. You're pathetic. You have to pick on, you know. She doesn't understand. I said, read a book. Watch Don Rickles. Seinfeld or any other. Talk about that family. In, in other words, yeah, I understand comedy. And, or yeah. 
life when it, yeah. and the thing is is it was about my mother when I first saw my mom that joke she was hysterical that's hilarious Jan that's really smart my parents like my wit there's a weird thing we live in where you have to ask permission for everything you know and people feel aggressed yeah. I don't. I don't know how I feel about it. Like sometimes you'd have I, to I, know more. Well, it. I would think that you would. You know, people that have. I mean, you know, really, comedy is about honesty, right? At its core, and the closer you get to the truth, yeah. the funnier it is. And so, I think family ought to be like warned. You know, I, I'm gonna. You know, maybe learn to warn. Well, it, they were shocked by the sister-in-law's reaction because. They never cared. Yeah. I have a million jokes about them, like my mother going, look at him, if only he'd stop breathing. <laughs> you know, like, and they thought it was hilarious about my dad. Wonder when your voice gets better, go on Drew's podcast. Okay. okay. Sorry. <laughs> Any questions from the audience? Wait till they see this show. I know, what the hell? What is that? It's a one-woman show, and it's a lot of stuff about her parents, and... Well, it's similar to my stuff, like yeah. people say, drop it, like Amber keeps yelling yeah. at me, then get over it, yeah. And why can't you tell a story? Get over it, I'm cool Amber. You tell your story, <laughs> you tell your story over and over and over. <laughs> why but. don't we have the right to, like, you know, let's like say a black guy in the inner city, like, get over it, yeah, you work hard, you study, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's our story, and we have the right to tell our story. Yeah. I'm not blaming. I'm not. I'm saying. I, I. I think I turned out very good, considering the negativity I grew up with. And I, and I don't try to get back at my mother. I'm never spiteful, but I don't think I talk about it constantly. You but, know, but, you, but 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 it's just. <laughs> I'm kidding. But she's, Fred, she's great. sometimes nicer than this, but sometimes actually meaner. It's your, roommate, your roommate's there. We, we hung out. And were you, were you, was this the first time you said there's something wrong with Amber when she was like giving me shit in the car about getting a hobby? Were you going, wait, I thought she was a. Not, uh, I'm nice. Am I nice? Yeah, you're really nice. Oh, weren't you weird to me? But yeah, you guys are kind of mean to each other. <laughs> I don't know. So, um, <laughs> any questions from the audience before we wrap it up? I, I do have one for Dr. Sure. Drew, if you don't mind. Uh, I wanted to bring up earlier, since since you've dealt with addiction so much, um, when we're talking about marijuana addiction, um, you know, a lot of people ask, is it real or not? And, and, and I do feel like it's real. However, I feel like um, that the factors that attribute to it usually are more than the drug itself, which probably is what, what you... Well, it, it, here's the thing about addiction. Uh, if people want to, want to talk about this, this idea of something being psychologically addictive, uh, I contend that there's no such thing. You can either stop doing something or you can't. And if you can't, we know a lot about what's going on in the brain when you can't. And that there are certain things that trigger that and certain things don't. And it's just a biology we're fighting. Now, there are, there are psychological reasons that people gravitate to stuff. We were talking about the dysregulation, the childhood trauma. So oftentimes, something that might not have been addictive becomes more addictive because somebody's really trying to use it to regulate and then triggers the biology. Mm -hmm. so, any questions from anyone? Danny? Uh, yeah, I know Paul is not on stage anymore, so I'll ask from here. But is the intention going forward now to legitimately give Fred a shot? Why don't you ask Fred if he wants a shot? I think that's the question.
I think she's a grifter. Are you fully invested, Brad? I think um, there was never like a flirting kind of sexual, you know, thing. She's always so. If it was more like, yeah, yeah. Brad, keep her laughing. It's <laughs> a lot of a lot of stock in there. Any other questions? Okay. As opposed to the last hour. I get over your fucking mother. Stop it. I'm just kidding. I get a hobby. So I'm just kidding. I think you should get a bell for the, all that stuff. With all the gun violence, um, and there's a you know big debate over is it mental health or is it gun regulation? I would like to know, Dr. Drew, what you think we can do in mental health to address. Uh, I, I just have always had thought that we ought to have a rational. I, 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 there's a piece. Right, I keep I keep rolling back my position because it, it, there's there's layers to it. We have overemphasized our individual freedoms at the expense of the well-being of the, everybody, and I, I think we all need to be willing to you know give up our freedoms in certain situations. One of the places that where somebody has where their brain's not working right and they shouldn't have access to firearms. That should be pretty easy. And there are physicians and psychologists that can really tell when somebody shouldn't be doing that. And, and maybe it's even a time-limited restriction. But that would be a rational thing. So I'm in favor of rational gun laws, and I'm in favor of physicians and, and clinicians being able to do their job. We can't even do our job for fear of, even not to forget trampling, in any way wrinkling somebody's personal liberties. It's all, all that comes ahead of that person's going to hurt themselves, that person's going to hurt other people. Believe me, the people that do these things aren't happier because they did them. Now, that's different from the world we seem to have gotten into as of last week, right? Before, when this all went down, I thought, oh, another Sandy Hook, another here we go, another, another. And now we're into a different world where somebody's coming at us who can get on assault rifle rifles. I, again, rationally, somebody on the watch list shouldn't be able to do that, right? Be rational. So I just am in favor of everybody agreeing that we can for, you know, let go of some of our individual privileges and have the attorneys not be so concerned about that, more concerned about the safety of the rest of us, and that we get some kind of rational approach. And we do that in so many areas. I mean, it, you know, you could say a million things. Yeah. And I love whenever people say, well, well, these people are going to get it anyway. They'll get it from another avenue. That's like saying, well, people yeah. are going to murder anyway, so why have a law against it? You know, it's, why? And, it's and absurd. I, and, and I understand that, when, that, that are, those kinds of arguments get much more intense when people are talking about restricting all guns. But how about a rational gun law? If you, if you read the, the New York Times article, there was an editorial on the cover of the New York Times. Mm-hmm. First time they put an editorial on the cover of the New York Times since 1923 or something. It was a big deal. They were not advocating no guns. They were, if you really yes. read it, they were advocating just... How about some, something? Something. Something. something right. I thought, gun lovers want more regulation. What's that? Even the guns, a lot of gun lovers, I yes. think like 80-some percent. Are I'm from Oklahoma. Big. All my friends are like, please, well, yes. We, I'll tell you something. Last week, though, put, put a weird spin on it. Because everyone everyone went, well, I guess I better get a gun. Everyone, everyone, uh, everyone, people who are anti-gun, obviously, are their arm up. I thought that too. I'm not going to person without a gun. No, I'm just saying. But it, no, it, no, it, but it changed, the argument shifted last week in an emotional way. Like, and, and I'm thinking it may shift back with time, unless we have a series of these Well, that's things. what they want. I think that's they, what they want. They want, you know, when I started to think, I was like, why would I hate to be the only person without a gun, even though I, I hate gun? I would probably just throw it at someone's head. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, I don't know. 
but uh, it, it's scary. But then they have a list of all of um, the senators that have gotten money from the NRA. It's very corrupt. The whole Listen, thing is very, it's disgusting. Guns think you go on forever. So yeah. I, I know not to be the friend. Yeah. Um, anyone else brave like Paul or any... Uh, <laughs> I, again, commend the dysfunctional relationship. <laughs> I think we, we went really long. Um, again, you guys are all great. A- again, everyone who's been on my podcast is is great. Human empathy. Um, your wife Susan is here. Uh, one last funny story. Susan Tinsky, are you still here? Look out! Susan. Yes, I'll tell you what happened. We're psychics call up. She thought, because she knows my mother from yours, let's call Perla. Oh. So so the psychic said, your son, Freddie's going to find true love. My mother's arguing. No, he's not. He's <laughs> <laughs> like the worst husband. No one wants him, right? You think I'm exaggerating. <laughs> so, to be fair, she, arguing with she psychic, would just go, I don't Perla. think Freddie would yeah. do that. <laughs> she said he'd be the worst husband. She said that. So, oh, wow. um, so Susan, you're a delight. You know, again, you got, again, I, I, I went to your birthday thing, but you, oh, yeah. you, uh, is that your dynamic with Adam? Because you have so much empathy, and he is a little not as empathetic. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, a little not. Yes. So again, I, I. But you don't want brisket and brisket, right? Right. Right. <laughs> but actually, uh, Mike on Loveline, your new partner, is a great guy. So maybe. So I don't know if you're worried that you both, you know, but. Again, another. Well, I don't know. I still do a podcast, so there you yeah, go. Yeah, no, no, I'm not putting down Loveland. I'm just saying. Loveland's been a lot of podcasts. But I too. like real. I like good guys. I like that you said a podcast at the beginning. You, you want other people podcasts from your podcast. Oh, it's a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cycle of podcasts. And then rejection. I love the podcast rejection. Podcast rejection. So if any, of you bought, if any of you bought my book, if you want me to sign it, if you want Amber to sign it, um, <laughs> again, thank you, Brandon. Jan, Gino, speak, please.